0: Imagine with me for a moment that it's this time last month. It's this time last month. Listen carefully. I have some some inside information for you. I have a I have a hot tip. Crypto is going to go way up. Okay? It's going to go through the roof. If you have investments, if you have any kind of money, put it in crypto because you're going to triple your money. Well, if you fast forward to now, if you follow the markets, if you even just watch the news a little bit, you would know that that statement was not true. That the inside information I gave you was false. It was bad information. It was a bad tip. I presented it to you like it was a sure thing. They had plans. Put all your money in and it's going to triple. Well, here we are, fast forward. and I looked it up this morning and I, I I don't know I don't know what's right, but uh I saw one article that said crypto had gone down three hundred billion dollars and one that said that it had gone down one trillion dollars. But it has absolutely crashed. It has gone through the floor. Imagine another scenario. This is a, a very real one. You probably know someone who has been impacted by a scenario like this, or perhaps even you have, where someone comes and they come with a scheme where you put your money in and it's going to grow. But then in the end, eventually, all the money is gone and one person gets very rich and everybody else gets left out in the cold. We can be fascinated by a sure thing. You think back to uh, the, the Back to the Future franchise and the the, man, the main antagonist, what does he do? He goes back in time with a sports almanac and gives it to his past self and says, here are the sure bets. Take it and make yourself an empire. And so he does. And the future is forever changed. And it has to be fixed. Because a sure and certain information was given where sure and certain information is not supposed to be. We can get fascinated by these things. And while we know, we know in our heads that these sure things don't really exist. I mean, yeah, there are some sure things. As as Christians, we believe the word of God. And so the things that the word tells us, those are sure things. But these kinds of things, these financial types of things, they don't really exist. But sometimes we can have a disconnect between the knowledge that we have and the actions that we take. When we know something and fail to live in light of that knowledge, we sin. And that's what James wants us to see here. So far, the book of James has equipped us with knowledge. You remember it starts off by talking about wisdom. But that wisdom, as he goes on to explain it, is rooted in in knowledge. Wisdom does not equate knowledge, but it's rooted in knowledge, in knowing things. And so, so James teaches about faith and works and that that works are a necessary component of faith. And he kind of describes what various things are are right or wrong. And so he's given, equipped us with knowledge as we've gone through James. And here we are in this passage. And I want to look at the last verse in the passage first. And this isn't the way we typically do these. So if you have your pew Bible... You can turn to page 1045, where the verses will also be on the screen. It's James 4.17. And verse 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details, but because of certain verb tenses and things like that, we actually know that this statement in verse 17 is a general statement. He e- either James took it from like popular um from popular Christian lingo so to speak that this is something that people said or he's coining a term to be used. So if you look at verse 17 if you look at verse 17 It's a saying that kind of can stand on its own. A lot of times we talk about verses taken out of context. You could kind of take this one out of context and you know what it means. If you know the good thing and you don't do it, it is sin. We understand this general statement. But it also fits well within the book of James, both as a whole and for our specific passage today. It's talking about a idea with regard to sin, where we fail to do something. And some of the knowledge that James has equipped us with is is that kind of sin. We could call these sins of omission, where we fail to do something. So a couple examples. So one example is a sin of commission, where you do something wrong. James tells us not to show favoritism. So if you show favoritism, you're committing that sin. You're doing the favoritism. That is commission. And then he also instructs us to care for the needy. And if we fail to care for the needy, that is a sin of omission. You failed to do the thing you ought to have done. Well, how does this principle fit within verses 13 through 16? Well, this is where we're going to look right now. So look with me at verse 13. It says, now listen, listen up, hear me who's he talking to? He's talking to someone who is a business person. He says, listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Listen, he's addressing these people. <coughs> he's addressing these people who are business people, who are trying to make a living. Well, What's he addressing? He says, why, verse 14, why do you not know that, he says, why do you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, "If if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Go back. So all all these verses here present to us a sin. James is rebuking something. These are business people carrying out business. And he is not rebuking business. He's rebuking something very specific. He's not rebuking planning. You look at this and you're like, well, these people are are being responsible. They're making plans. That's not what he's rebuking. You might think, well, He's giving them instructions to say certain things, to speak in such a way when they're talking about what they're planning on doing and to say, oh, th- this is in the will of God or if, if the Lord wills. Now, look, you've probably known this kind of person. I've known this kind of person. Sometimes I've been this kind of person <clears throat> where every statement that you make is qualified by, hey, yeah, let's, let's meet for lunch on Tuesday lord willing let's 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 get together on saturday if, if the lord wills there's nothing wrong with those statements those statements can be good but i don't think that that is what J, J, uh, james is is rebuking here james is not rebuking just simply a a fail to state their their thing in the truth because the the, the truth is as Christians, certainly we know that God is in control of things, and and we can make plans, and they may not work out. We know that in our head. In fact, you don't even have to be a Christian to know that. Any theist would generally say, "Yeah, some kind of God is in control of something." But even beyond that, even even an atheist, even someone who doesn't believe in a God, knows that. Well, yeah, you can you can put all your plans together. You can do put a put everything together, have a good plan. And you can be driving home one day and get hit by a car and you can be paralyzed. Or you can open the mail and, and pull out that thing that you always think is junk mail when, you know, crown prince so-and-so in some country you've never heard of has died and left you their entire estate. Well, one of these days, maybe that's real and you 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 have life-changing money. And so you don't fulfill your plans. Everybody knows that your plans are are not necessarily going to work out. So James is not simply just saying, hey, you need to put a verbal statement on the end of your future plan statements, and then it's all good. No, he's rebuking something else here. James is rebuking living life in a way that fails to be steered by a dependence on God. Let me say that one more time. James is rebuking living life in a way that fails to be steered by a dependence on God. What does this mean for us? Does it simply mean that we have to put that Lord willing statement No, I've already said it doesn't mean that. This is a call for more than just head knowledge. We know we can't make plans with definitive outcomes. We know that. So it's more than just knowledge and even as I was preparing for this, I, I was, I was wrestling with, well, yeah, I know this is true, and is it just that I need to keep it in mind as I make my plans? Is that it? How does that? How does that? Re- how is that really helpful? But the more I dug into this, the more I realized that that this was a call for action. Do you remember verse seventeen? Let's read it again. This follows right after. It says, if anyone then, that then connects it to what was said. So even though this is a general statement that can stand on its own, it is in a specific context. And he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So what is the good that you're supposed to be doing here? Well, I already said that it is living life in a way that is steered by dependence on God. So the question we have to ask is, what does living life steered by a dependence on God look like? Well, it is one that lives not just for the future, but also for the now. If you truly recognize that life is a vapor and could be gone Over any instant that God wills it, it will affect the way you live. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Life is a vapor, life is like a plant, like a weed. We have a garden. I see weeds where there was no weed. It seems like the very next day you go out there and there's a six foot tall weed. How did it come so fast? And sometimes you go back the next day, and that six-foot-tall weed is gone, and you're like, wow, how did that possibly happen so fast? That's what life is like. You don't know. And if you recognize that, it would affect the way you lived. We already said that there is no sure thing. But if I could give you some inside information as to when your life would end i want to ask you if i could give you that information how would it change how would it change your life today i suppose it would depend on the specifics right if i told you you had 1 year a lot of you would quit your jobs and and you would try to make as much impact as you could, whatever kind of your mission in life is, you would try to accomplish as much of it. You're like, I have a year. I'm going to do the best I can in that year. I don't need to make money. I can figure out a way to survive. I could charge up my credit card debt really high in a year, and then, you know, whatever. Or if it was a week, if I said you had a week, you might just... Gather with your loved ones and just spend as much time together as you could. If I told you you had 50 years, some of you would probably be shocked if I told you you had 50 years. But if you had 50 years, that would sure change how you lived. You might plan out your retirement date. You might cancel your life insurance. And you would live for the future. You could make a very definite plan. But we don't have any inside information. Our life is fragile. And any day could be our last. Or we could live to an old age. We don't know. So, live life responsibly. Planning for tomorrow without wasting today. Listen to me. College student, work hard in your studies, but do something meaningful with those years too. Invest in campus ministry. Connect deeply with the church. Be pastored and pastor others. Invest your life Because you don't know that the degree you are preparing for will ever be useful in the future. Parents with children, raise your kids with the future in mind. Yes, help them to become good adults who love God, who show kindness and mercy, who will be well equipped for the life ahead, but also... Help them to live out their faith in the now. Model ministry to them now. Let your life be about more and include your children in that life because you don't know what the future holds. Seniors, continue to keep the faith. Maybe, You lived your life for your retirement. Maybe you look at it and you're like, well, I wish I would have had this message 50 years ago. The good news is that it is not too late to use your life. Step up. Mentor the next generation. Teach and lead others. Use the automatic respect that you have based on your age to speak the truth in love in places where I can't do it high schooler don't think you have tomorrow to straighten out your life love god now serve him study the word and have fun doing it you see i could go into lots of scenarios i could speak to school age children i could speak to middle-aged people i could speak people to people in my age which i kind of did with the parents with children this principle applies broadly and so when i told you that early on as i was preparing i was thinking well how do do i am i just going to get up there and tell everybody to always say lord willing when they say a statement of the future and no i'm not saying that though like i said it's not a bad thing you can say that and, and if that helps you remember, great. You know this truth. You know it. But if you fail to act on it, it is sin. We so often fail to do the things we're commanded to do. Those sins of omission, those are sometimes the easiest ones. Because nobody's going to know a lot of times if we didn't do the thing we're called to do. If we failed to Help the needy, as James has told us. You know, we could live our life. We could plan it out. We could live and do all of this kind of thing. And because we're not just talking about words t- tacked on to your statement, but we're talking about living life in a very real and practical way, others may not see this sin, but it is very much sin. The good news is, even as we've struggled and even as we recognize our struggle i read this text and as i dig into it i'm just i'm convicted i realize that even as even as a pastor even as someone who is actively serving in ministry there are times when i'm not taking advantage of the moment I'm living for the future i think yeah, I'm going to go get together with my lost family members. But I have years to share the gospel with them. So if I don't do it this time, it's not a big deal. I don't know that. I, I go down the street and I interact with my neighbors. And I wave and say hi. But I don't engage in a deeper conversation. Why? Well, kind of busy. I'll see him tomorrow. Do not waste your days. I am not saying quit your job and throw it all away and forget about the future and just live for just today. That's not the point. You still have a future. You still need to plan. So go to college. Keep your job. Pursue a career. Provide for yourself and your family as God calls you to. Do those things, yes, but don't do them at the neglect of today. Jesus saved us. If you're here and you're a child of God, if you've turned to him in repentant faith, you saved. Are a child of God and Jesus has done a work to make you his and he has gifted us with the ability to serve him to be faithful don't waste your days use them for him